Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast, where we share practical therapy tips and ideas for busy speech-language pathologists. Grab your favorite beverage and sit back as we dive into this week's episode. Hi there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast. I am extremely honored and excited to have Kristen Bowers back on the podcast today. Um, And if you're not familiar with her, uh, she is an ASHA certified speech language pathologist who graduated from the University of Pittsburgh um, in 2007 with her BA in communication science and disorders, and then in 2010 with her master's in speech language pathology. Uh, She has experience in early intervention as well as private practice, and she currently works in the school setting servicing children from kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, She's also the owner of Kiwi Speech, and she creates amazing and absolutely beautiful therapy materials for speech and language services, um, most of which are available on Teachers Pay Teachers. Um, And I brought her on the podcast today because she is passionate about finding effective ways to have kids practice their sounds and supporting other skills like problem solving and growth mindset. Um, and I've been getting a lot of questions about growth mindset, and I think this is um, this is something that I've been able to incorporate into my therapy, um, but I'm super excited to learn even more about it from Kristen today. Hi, how are you? <laughs> awesome. Um, so I thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I'm really excited to learn from you. Um, And I'm curious, um, how did you first start learning about growth mindset? You know, I, I'm a pretty avid reader and I usually try to read in addition to one fiction book, I'm usually reading a a nonfiction book. And I think one of the first times I really came across, across growth mindset was in the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. And although she doesn't directly talk about growth mindset, she talks a lot about grit and how, you know, successful people may not be, one may not be more intelligent than the other or more successful people rather. And almost no matter how you're going to measure that success, it's not that they're necessarily more intelligent. It's that they have this thing called grit, which she, which she, excuse me, which she sort of defines as this ability to, to stick through something, stick to something over a longer period of time or to stick with something when it gets hard. And that's really closely related to growth mindset. And then I think the term growth mindset is coming up just so much more in the educational world, you know, just as philosophies on education change over time. It's just something I started really seeing um, in the general education world. And and I really love that book, Grit. So just seeing how they fit together and how they could really apply to some of our students as much as, you know, or almost more than... Um, just your average kid, right? So some of our kids are coming to us for the sole purpose of something is hard for them, right? Like that's why they're in speech. And so having an approach that not just targets their sound or the vocabulary they're using, but also just the way they think about learning and their ability to improve was really important. So I think they just kind of really settled with me and it was just something I gave a lot of thought to and um, started really kind of developing ways to just to support my students, not just in their speech and language skills, but also just the way they thought about learning and um, their ability to, to grow. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like I had a similar experience around that as well. Um, 
I just, I just, it just started with a different book for me. Um, I read uh, the growth mindset book. I believe it was Carol Dweck. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but it was, I, it really resonated with me because a lot of my, a lot of the students on my caseload, they had obviously multiple uh, difficult, diff, or disabilities um, and they were being seen by resource room or other special education services and they were really struggling in the classroom. And it was, I just noticed that some of my students just kept like persevering. They kept working towards it, even though I knew it was so incredibly hard for them. Whereas other students, especially as they got older, more and more of them started to shut down. And so I really wanted a way to like continue supporting them and making sure that they, that, that just trying to like prevent that shutdown. Um, but Kristen, you and I have talked about this before because um, you have like, a, you see a slightly different caseload. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think I know what you're getting at. And that was, I was just going to add that. So yeah, I mean, I think we all have, I think in the nature of our role, we have a lot of kids who really struggle um, maybe globally with lots of stuff. But I also have found this to be so applicable um, to the, the other end of the spectrum, which is some of the kids I see are actually like in gifted programs. And I have a pretty large portion of my caseload that are really high achievers in many areas. And in some ways, I find that they are the ideal candidate for this growth mindset approach. And that's because, you know, they're good at everything they do, or they always have been, right? They were, they're perhaps really good at math and they were early readers and they just in general are have experience in school thus far being really successful with everything. And then all of a sudden they're not that great at speech, right? Like it may be for some of the kids I see, I think speech may be the first thing that they've ever come across that has been difficult for them. And they don't know how to look around a classroom and see themselves as maybe the one person struggling. They're used to being, you know, successful and they're used to seeing themselves in that light. And I find that sometimes those kids are the ones that struggle the most to hear feedback in speech, right? They don't like being told that they're not doing something right. Um, sometimes they're the ones that I say, oh, you know, I heard you say, Sue, can you fix that and say shoe? And they'll say, that's what I said the first time. You know, they kind of sometimes they argue with me a little bit. And I think they just are really having a hard time accepting or knowing what to do with this newfound knowledge that they have something that's a little tricky for them. So yeah, I mean, definitely the kids who have a lot going on can benefit from this, but I think it's also important to remember that some of these highly intelligent kids that are successful in other areas can really benefit from it just as much, if not more. Um, so yeah, I think it I mean it's helpful for everyone. And I've also seen it be really helpful for some of my kids that struggle with a little anxiety. I don't know if you have kids like that are really afraid of making mistakes and they often won't try, you know, they won't push themselves because they're afraid of that. And it's been really helpful for some of those kids who may also be seeing a school counselor for some anxiety issues or kind of perfectionism sort of tendencies. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I think that's just a good, like a nice little summary that it can benefit a, a wide range of students, if not all students, because we're all going to be or they all will face adversity throughout their academic careers. Um, and then I think it's helpful for us too, um, especially given recent circumstances, we all get to implement some growth mindset. Uh, but we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more uh, further into the interview. But I'm curious, can you just give us like a 
a breakdown of what growth mindset is? Yeah, of course. So growth mindsets typically talk about sort of in this dichotomy between a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, for example. So in a growth mindset, we we know that we are capable of, of change and we're capable of growing. So this can be, I think, you know, when it comes to speech, we talk about it a lot in relation to specific skills, but it can also be things that you might consider personality traits. So someone with a strong growth mindset knows that with work, they can become maybe a different type of person. Um, someone with a growth mindset is likes a challenge, right? They like to see what they are capable of doing and they don't really get stuck in this. Well, I'm, I'm not a math person, right? That's not something you would hear from someone with a growth mindset or you would hear things like, well, you know, if I work at this, I can, I can learn this new skill or, um, so yeah, they have a really strong sense of effort being a way to, to change something about yourself. And then, and they know that putting in effort and putting in work, um, that those things are possible in contrast to someone with a fixed mindset, you know, might be more likely to say, oh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not a math person. Like I'll never be good at that. Just if you could do that for me, that would be great. Or, um, getting a little bit more frustrated or bogged down in the mistakes. Um, those things are really negative to someone with a fixed mindset where someone with a growth mindset knows that, you know, I, we only make mistakes when we're challenging ourselves and we challenge ourselves as a way to learn new things. So mistakes are a good thing, right? It means we're at that level where we're learning. And I think that point of a growth mindset in particular is just so relevant to, to speech therapy and, and what we're doing in our role in that. Um, so yeah, so a growth mindset is the belief that we can grow and we can change if we put in effort and work, um, to put really simply. <laughs> that is perfect. And I love what you said about mistakes helping us grow. Because um, like if we have a fixed mindset and our belief is that um, we're like, I, I am a math person, but if we like for some reason, fail some tests, then suddenly that belief is just shattered. Mm -hmm. um, but if we have that growth mindset of like, I'm, I'm capable of change of growing. So like, yeah, I think I'm like, I like math and um, just like those challenges that come up don't like break us quite as much as they would if mm -hmm. that was our identity. And it's just evidence for or against that. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's the trait I see a lot in some of my gifted students, right? Is they hold their identity so strongly in, in being the best or being the brightest. And yeah, when, when that one thing that comes along, that kind of breaks that, they, they really struggle and they, they do, they take it, they can take it really personally. I don't want to generalize obviously, but yeah, I see some students take it really personally when they're corrected, right? Or when they make a mistake. Um, and yeah, having a growth mindset or starting to nurture our growth mindset in them is sort of a way to, to help that. Yeah. And I think we started talking about this a little bit already, uh, but why, why do you think it's important? And like, why did you spend so much time learning about it and creating resources? Um, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think, I think for me, it was just really applicable to, to my caseload. I think it's also really applicable as a parent, you know, you, you think about the, the things that we say as parents and, maybe the things we don't. Um, and I have a daughter who has very, um, you know, she has many strengths, obviously, but she, she really struggles with her speech. And I think my biggest concern for her is more when we thought about kindergarten, right? She's a June birthday. So she was kind of in that age where we thought, hey, we like, she's going to kindergarten, right? Or should we keep her back? And 
we had this conversation, but my biggest concern was, was less the academics and more the confidence, right? I was really concerned that she would go to kindergarten and she, she would get kind of beaten down with the things that she couldn't do, or maybe her lack of ability to communicate effectively. And I was really worried about her confidence. And at the end of the day, that that's all a, a growth mindset issue, right? That's not an academic thing. That's not going to come from me drilling her with her sight words. That's all about just nurturing an approach to learning and just, yeah, I think as a parent, it became really relevant to me. Um, and again, it just, it was applicable to just so many of my students. I thought, man, if they just had a more open approach to learning or they were more willing to make mistakes, I knew we could make more progress. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then for me, it was interesting too, because like I kind of talked about this already, but um, I just had a lot of, I was seeing a lot of students who were struggling globally, like every mm-hmm. part of school was hard for them and um, their peers and sometimes even teachers were placing like fixed mindset beliefs on them. Like you're not smart, you're not good enough, uh, you're slow, like you're, I don't know, all of these different things, whether it was said explicitly or uh, more implied, right, right. Um, but that's, so that's what got me super interested in um, figuring it out because like I saw what happens over time as the students get older, they just shut down more and more. And of course, that's not always the case. But um, after I learned about this, I thought it could be a really cool way to give these students some extra skills to kind of combat that a little bit and to celebrate their mistakes and uh, celebrate the effort because they they likely put in more effort than anyone in the class, Absolutely. even if they get like they don't get the same results. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, it was really cool to see how that could impact students. I agree, and I think you, you know, you mentioned something else too. Is kind of it's not just about the the single child you're working with, but also kind of the system around them, whether it's the teachers or the students, but even when it comes to like, well, why do they go to speech? You know, sometimes you get that question. And I think sometimes equipping the students with an answer to that, why do you come to speech? Well, you know, some people might need a little bit of help with reading. You know, some people might need a little bit of help with this and you need a little bit of help with speech. Like it's not a bad thing. We all, you know, have these things we may have to work a little bit harder at, but like, that's not a problem. We've, we've got this, you know, um, equipping them and, just, again, using it in your language with the other people you're around, the other students. You know, they get to come to see me to work on something extra. Like, how great is that, right? They have this opportunity to work extra hard at something and phrasing that as a positive, um, not a negative. Yes, I love that uh, frame or just how you framed that. That was perfect. Uh, so now let's get to some of the good stuff. Uh, so how do you incorporate, because I think before we, I don't know, this is kind of my approach, but before I incorporate something with my students, especially when it comes to this kind of thing, um, like how do you feel like you're able to incorporate my growth mindset in like navigating your own job, like as an adult or a professional? Do you feel like growth mindset plays a role there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the more you learn about it and the more you read about it. So you're right. I mean, I, 
circling back to the the books we were talking about, I mean, I think my interest first got piqued by that by grit. But um, you know, when you I've read the mindset book by Carol Dweck, and there's also one called The Growth Mindset Coach. Um, it's by Annie Brock and Heather Hundley. But I think, you know, the more you learn about it and the more you sort of learn these phrases and you you hear them, whether it's words you say out loud or you hear them in your mind and you think, man, like that's not a good way to look at this. And just changing the way you approach, I mean, we're all going through right now learning teletherapy at a faster rate than we ever thought we would need to. And just being like, okay, you know what? I, I can do this. I For some people, maybe they, you know, didn't think they were technology people and are now being forced into this. So just having that open mind about I can learn this. It might take a little bit of work, but the more effort, the more time I put into it, um, you know, the I, I am able to achieve the outcomes I want. Uh, for me personally, I have been working a lot on just developing more creativity in myself. And I think that that's something people consider a more fixed personality trait, right? Like you're either creative or you're not, uh, more so than maybe learning to read. But I just have been trying to give my time, myself the time, um, especially now that we have a little bit more of it, of practicing creativity uh, and knowing that if I practice creativity, I can become a more creative person. Um, so I know that doesn't directly relate to speech, but just thinking about things in those terms. Um, I also think the more you adopt a growth mindset, the you can kind of use it looking at yourself, but the way you think about your students and their growth is really important. There was a study um, by Rosenthal and Jacobson, like in the 1960s, and forgive me for not having like the actual, the specific citation, but basically they, they told teachers that a specific subset of students in their class was bright and was really likely to succeed. And then when they looked back at those students later, that specific subset of students had increased even their IQ points. And of course, those students had originally had been completely randomly assigned. So the whole point was that the, the teacher's perceptions of, of the child's quote unquote like their ability, so to speak, impacted the way those students were nurtured by teachers and then impacted their outcomes. So making sure that we are maybe not applying these um, thoughts like, oh, this student is likely to succeed. Let me make sure that I challenge them and bring that out in them. And on the flip side, oh, this student probably doesn't have the capability to grow. So I'm not really going to challenge them too much. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a really applicable, I think, example for us about why it's important to incorporate a growth mindset, not just in looking inwardly, but in how we approach our students and their goals. Yeah, that is so fascinating. I like, I remember seeing that study and, um, and that was just, it's like, that's incredible. And mm-hmm. so even just the things that we say to our students can have and like it can change their IQ. Right. Which I mean, is, right. Which is that's something just that mind-boggling. I totally agree. My whole family knows now, like I hear, you know, when they say something to my daughter, she does something like, oh, you're so smart. And they, they know immediately. Cause I do, I like, I don't want to say I don't allow that, but they know that that's not a phrase I want to hear because that's not really a growth mindset phrase. I'd rather them say, wow, I, 
love how hard you worked on that. Or I, I like that you sat there and worked on that for a long time. That must've been hard rather than just, you're so smart. And, but they know now, like they know they're going to get some side eye from me <laughs> for phrases like that. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, but it'll, it'll benefit them too. If you're modeling <laughs> yes, exactly. that, it'll trickle down to your daughter that- and other people. I have faith that they too can can improve their ability to use a growth mindset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, and I I was thinking about this question a little bit too. I think it's like especially as w- whenever we're navigating a lot of change, I think growth mindset really helps kind of decrease the stress because we're expected to make mistakes as we're figuring this out. Like we're not identifying as like, I'm amazing at tech. I'm going to rock this teletherapy. Like we just look at it as another um, another hurdle that we're going to overcome. We put on our problem-solving pants and we expect some of those mistakes and um, look at those as like evidence that we're growing. And I think that applies to this situation now as we're moving into uh, more digital therapy as we for new therapists who are just starting out, like it feels like an insurmountable, like we have so many seemingly insurmountable insurmountable obstacles when we're first starting, like your first IEP, writing it, having that first meeting, the first therapy session, uh, the first new type of client. Like I feel like we're constantly encountering things. And if we have that growth mindset, it just makes it that much easier Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this is turning into just a list of book, um, book reviews, but, um, let's I'm, do it. I'm currently reading a book called range by David Epstein. And it's about, um, how having kind of skill. So the subtitle of the book is how generalists triumph in a specialized world. Um, and I actually kind of, I don't love the subtitle for what the book ended up ends up being about, but it just talks about how having a really varied range of skills and interests um, can benefit you and in the job market, but just in general, um, it talks about someone, I'm not sure if she's the um, absolute like CEO or the highest up in the Girl Scouts, but you know, she basically got there because she was this person who had this very broad range of experience. It wasn't the person that was on the direct track to that position. And, but I think, it, I guess it, it reinforces this idea that, right, like trying new things, even if in the beginning you may fail or even if they're hard or even when even if when you start, you're not the best, that being free and feeling open to try new things is a huge aspect of growth mindset, a huge aspect of growth mindset. And as you know, that's a huge aspect of speech, I think. Um, but it's talking about it kind of outside of the education world and just, yeah, having that broad set of skills and interests and things that you've tried really can help you in the long run in many ways. Yeah. Ooh, and I'm absolutely loving all of the book recommendations too. <laughs> I have a long list of nonfiction book recommendations. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> uh, okay, awesome. So now let's get into the super good stuff about how we can incorporate this with our students and in our therapy sessions. And you have a little bit of a framework that you use in terms of like 
how much you incorporate this. Uh, can you give us like a little breakdown of what that looks like? Yeah, definitely. So we sort of talked about, I would say, almost the first two ways. When we think about applying this to our students, right? I, a lot of us are like, wait a second, I only have 30 minutes with these kids. How am I going to take time out to, to work on growth mindset? And I don't think it needs to be quite that concrete. So first of all, just having a growth mindset yourself, even if you apply this to a specific child, not at all, right? And you just adopt it in your own mindset. I mean, that can be really valuable right there. Um, and so we talked about like that research or um, that experiment they did. But when it comes to more child-facing stuff, you can really just change the language you use with, with students. So this doesn't mean teaching them, oh, let me tell you what a growth mindset is and I want you to do this and do that. But just the way you deliver therapy, um, there are ways you can deliver it that are more growth mindset friendly. So we talked a little bit about um, being afraid to make mistakes, right? Um, maybe I'll, I'll circle back to that. So I'll go through these first. So the first one is, yeah, just in the language you are using with your students. So I would consider this pretty passive, right? You're not teaching the students about a growth mindset uh, directly, but you're just using that language. Um, and then the second would be maybe encouraging a little bit more of the language in students. So if you hear them say something like, oh, I can't say my R sound, you might say, oh, you know what? You can't say your R sound yet. Um, I have a growth mindset bulletin board that I have up in my speech room, and it has a whole bunch of different phrases that are specific to speech. So it'll say something like, I know I'm learning my S sound because it feels hard right now. Um, and it's sort of just flipping some of those phrases we often hear on their head and, and putting them in more of a growth mindset, um, growth mindset friendly kind of statement. Um, and then the third would be, yeah, taking a few minutes to sit down and directly teach them. This is what a growth mindset is. This is what a growth mindset sounds like. This is what a fixed mindset is. And this is what a fixed mindset sounds like. And trying to help them monitor themselves for those things and, and change the way they what they think about learning. So yeah, you can just use it in your own language. You can sort of more passively encourage your students to use it, or then you can directly sit down and teach them what it is. So I think finding a sweet spot for you, and it's to me, it's very student dependent. I have a few groups <laughs> that tend to get a little competitive. They're all working on the S sound, um, but two do lateral and two have frontal lists. Um, but they just tend to go like, oh, I think I, I did it the best that time. Or, you know, in that group, I've, I've done explicit <laughs> growth mindset work. In, um, and I've talked to the teachers about it. It's a struggle they see in the classrooms, too, with them kind of maybe arguing with the teachers about what they did or didn't get right and just really not taking to feedback or correction all that well. So, um, so they're ones that I've pulled out growth mindset, actual work for them to do um, while we're practicing speech. And then others, I just try to use it in, in the way I speak with them. Now that's perfect. Um, and then should we dive into some like more specific examples for each yeah. of the types? You know, here's the thing when we're giving speech and I'm, I'm apologizing in advance for making this very articulation specific, but you know, we always have, I always want to have students at this sort of sweet spot, right? And we talked about this a little bit when we talked about data collection, right? I don't necessarily want a child practicing in speech, something they can do a hundred percent of the time. That's not going to help them move to the next level. But on the flip side of that, I don't want them practicing something they can't do at all. And I'm always going to try to scaffold that and give them support. 
But by definition, we want those kids making mistakes. And, and if they're not, what we're having them practice is probably too easy. So teaching them that mistakes are fine and mistakes are okay is a good thing. Um, I sort of joke with them sometimes when they say, oh, like, but this sound was really hard for me. And I say, well, yeah, you know what? Can you say the B sound? Now, first of all, these would be kids that are maybe working at R or TH. And I'll say, okay, I want you to say these words, ball, bat, whatever. And they're looking at me like, okay, ball, bat. And then I give them a big round of applause and make a great big deal out of it. And I say, oh my gosh, like you did so wonderful at that. I'm so proud of you. And they're just kind of sitting there staring at me because of course they could say those sounds or below where they're working on now. And I sort of say, well, that's the point, right? You're not here to practice things you already know how to do. You're here to practice something that is hard. That's literally the point of you coming to see me. So no matter what happens, you're always going to come here and I'm always going to make you do something that's hard for you. And once you meet this goal, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it harder again. And I think just laying that out to them to so they can see that it's always going to be hard and that's not a bad thing is really helpful. Um, I find very few kids come back after that and, and kind of complain that it's hard because it's it's literally the point of our job is to find that thing that's hard and, and to challenge them. So so yeah, first of all, starting to frame things that mistakes are are not bad. They're the point of, of coming to speech. We're going to make mistakes and that's how we know what we have to fix. Um, and then the other major, major thing I think is in how we deliver feedback. So in the same way, I don't love when my family tells my daughter, you are so smart, right? I'd much rather them say, wow, you worked for a long time on that or that must have been really hard for you. And, and that's the positive statement, right? It must have been hard should be the positive statement, not that looked really easy, which I think is what we often sort of try to say as praise, right? Oh, that was so easy for you. You did that so quickly. Good job. But all we're really telling them is that like by continuing to show us something they're already good at, that's a good thing. And I don't think that that in a growth mindset, that's not necessarily true, right? The good thing should be finding something you're not good at and working on that. So giving feedback that is more about their action or their process. So instead of saying, wow, that was a perfect R sound, you might say, wow, I really saw how you bunched that tongue up. That was great work. Um, or the other thing, this is, I've, I've seen this a few times in the general education, is talking about a good mistake, a great mistake. Uh, Jillian Starr talks about how she takes a, um, like a group of, of student, maybe math problems that they did, and she pulls out one that's wrong, and she praises that as a great mistake. And they talk about, okay, so yeah, the, the final answer wasn't right, but let's talk about all the things the student showed us they knew. So maybe they added, you know, I don't, one plus one is three, just as a really simple example. And they'll say, oh, well, they knew to add, not subtract. So that was some knowledge that that student was showing. So she talks about her favorite mistake or her great mistake. And I do something similar in speech. Um, when you have a child who's gliding R, for example, right? And they're saying wabbit for rabbit. I often find that somewhere in the middle of shaping that to the R, it ends up being this really distorted L sound, right? If you're doing maybe retroflex. So they, they don't say wabbit and they don't say rabbit. It sounds something more like rabbit. 
And often they hear that L and they go, oh, sorry, like that was an L sound. And I say, oh my gosh, no, that was such an awesome mistake. It showed me that you were moving your tongue. It showed me that you got your tongue up. That was awesome. So to me, I mean, that is a good mistake, right? It wasn't a W. It's a step in the right direction. And the fact that they made an L shows me that they're learning so much. So praising that mistake is, is another really growth mindset way to approach um, their learning and, and the scaffolding we do to get them from point A to point B. Yeah, I love those specific examples. Um, and I, yeah, so just to recap, like we can, um, like we want to set up our sessions so that we are giving students that, like they're not perfect all the time. They're not always at 100%. Um, and then, but that we're also not making it so hard that they can't even tackle it. Um, teaching them that mistakes are hard or no, that mistakes are okay and even celebrating them. Um, I actually, this um, this was a couple podcast episodes ago, but I actually um, interviewed a special education teacher on mindfulness and growth mindset kind of came up there. And she says that she uses like glitter washi tape uh, to celebrate her students. Like if they're doing writing or whatever, they'll put the glitter uh, washi tape over a mistake. And I thought that was a really oh, cool I love that. Visual. That's such a sweet idea. <laughs> and it's a little harder to do that with like articulation. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, maybe we could just have it like on a piece of paper or something. Um, and yeah, and then I love your suggestions on thinking about how we deliver feedback and really focusing on the actions instead of like the traits or qualities, like you're smart, um, and things like that, or like you're good at this and all of that and focusing yeah. on them working hard. And then the last thing I would awesome. just add is, is just, yeah, making sure that you've set your, your sessions up as a really safe space to, to make mistakes, obviously, but also to look, to look silly. You know how often we, we look ridiculous. I mean, we know as SLPs, we look ridiculous sometimes when we're showing them how to make these sounds, Right. Or I have a particular student right now who's working so hard on that R sound and it it's hard to watch him, right? Because he's he's contorting his face so, so much to get this R and, you know, just making sure that, you know, comments, la I mean, obvious things like laughing at people is never okay, but making sure that that is absolutely never okay. Um and being afraid to kind of laugh at yourself and look silly and make mistakes. And if that includes you kind of doing these these things too, then then so be it. But it absolutely has to be a safe space for them to make mistakes and, and be wrong and, and to fail. I mean, that's the only way it can work. And again, by the nature of what we do, kids are going to fail from time to time in our room. I mean, that's they wouldn't be there if they were doing everything perfectly. So um, it, yeah, it's essential to make sure that you're sessions are a safe space with you and, and with all the other students. Perfect. Um, and then what about, like, what does it look like when you're doing that direct teaching? Like, do you have a, like a hierarchy of activities that you go through or how do you set that up for students? Yeah. So I actually, um, I have sort of, over time, I've sort of developed a bit of a curriculum for it, which is, which is in my teacher's pay teacher store. Um, and it's just a culmination of, of all the different aspects of the growth mindset that I've learned about through all that reading that I felt were really applicable 
to speech. So um, each sort of lesson has has something I would teach the students. And again, depending on how much time you want to spend with the kids, you can you can pick and choose how you're doing it. So typically I say, hey, like I want to talk about whatever the, the lesson, so to speak, is today. And in the beginning, that might be, I want to talk about like what a growth mindset is. But then later we might talk about things like neuroplasticity. And of course, I don't necessarily call it neuroplasticity, but I talk it, talk to them about how our brains can grow. And the more we practice something, the more connections our brain makes and the quicker we can do it. And we use lots of examples of things that they've learned and got better at in, in other aspects, like maybe music lessons. So typically there's, I talk to them about it in this particular curriculum, there's um, almost like note-taking pages that are scaled for, for um, their ages. So there's like a smaller one that's pretty much um, like a coloring page that has the, the main keywords that we talk about. And then there's a slightly older one. And then I have an activity that we we do in speech. Um, and again, I don't do this with all of my groups. They don't all need this really specific direct instruction, um, but some do. And then there's also a homework activity to send home. Um, because of course, if if they're not getting a growth mindset message at home, then as same with our speech practice, you know, it can be a little lost. So the the homework is interesting. I sort of try to design it that yes, the child is practicing it, but I also wanted to make it very educational for the parents. So there's kind of an intro sentence on each one that might kind of summarize what we talked about. Hint, hint, use this language at home is kind of the point. So just as an example, in the first one, in speech, I have them talk, think about at school, at home, activities, and fourth in speech, they're going to write down something that feels easy for them in each of those settings and something that feels hard for them in each of those settings. And the point of this is just to understand that no matter what, we all have things in any setting that feel easy and things that feel hard. And they're so different, you know, by, by child. And then the homework activity is they have a list of R or sorry, an a list of speech specific things like using the right words and sentences or um, speaking all day without my voice getting tired, um, saying the S sound, understanding what I read and hear, those kinds of things. And they just sort them into, um, you know, it's like a sorting table, like a T-chart feels easy for me or feels hard for me. And the idea is for them to just be honest with themselves and sort those into a chart and see you know, which of these things are easy and which are hard. I try to make a really good mix of articulation, voice, fluency, and language to see that they all have kind of strengths and weaknesses. And then of course you're framing this entire thing in, it's okay that things feel hard. That's cool. That's interesting, right? Not that's bad. Um, so that's just kind of an example of how I would do a really introductory lesson um, in speech, but we also talk about making mistakes. We talk about supporting others. Um, we talk about perseverance and then there's like a power of yet, which is discussed pretty, um, commonly, which is kind of adding the word yet onto a negative statement to change it. So I can't say my R sound yet, or I'm not good at math yet, which of course just reframes it that with work and effort, you, you can be good at math and you can be good at your R sound. You just haven't got there yet. Wow. You've really thought of like everything with this unit. It was a long, long process. Yeah, but I love that you have, because I think if we are, and this could still be a language activity if we're having 
Like if the students are working on like comprehension or whatever it may be, um, there could be ways to incorporate their goals into this type of activity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And articulation. I mean, you know, you can incorporate articulation into anything. I mean, it's got S blends mm -hmm. and, you know, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't necessarily, it definitely does not need to be something that is separate from therapy. They can definitely be done at the same time. Um, And I tried to take real care when I, when I created the curriculum to, to make sure that it was friendly for that. Um, If you spent your entire 30 minute session doing this, I don't, you wouldn't be losing a session um, if you were smart about it and um, used all your good SLP skills, which is right. Making a session out of anything. Um, Or you could Mm -hmm. just spend a few minutes on it, you know? Yeah. And I love all of the different visuals that helps break it down for students and just the different interactive activities. And then also the, the parent piece is huge. Um, and I feel like some teachers could use that too. <laughs> totally agree. It has, I um, had written a parent letter in there and I've thought, oh, I probably need to go back and add <laughs> like a teacher letter as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And have you ever done um, like, because I feel like this is something that could be a nice activity to coordinate like with the counselor potentially, but maybe that would be, I did like, I got along really well with a counselor at my uh, last school. So we did a bunch of stuff together uh, just because we wanted to, I guess. Uh, And we had a lot of shared kids, but that could be an option too if you're not feeling like it's something that is easily incorporated into your session, just given the nature of your group. Um, it could That could be a cool opportunity too. I totally agree. In uh, the setting I'm at, we my schools don't all have like full-time counselors. Um, so I don't have, we're often there like on opposing days or whatever. So I just, I don't have, we don't have that like con- continuity of care, so to speak in, in my settings, but I a thousand percent agree. That would be a great person to get um, on your team for implementing this and, and working with the teachers. Yeah. And I, I'm, have you like had conversations with teachers about this too, or do you feel like it's just something that you Oh, no, I definitely have. And I don't know if it's just the schools I work in, but honestly, I feel, I feel like in a lot of situations, I don't know, maybe it's just the schools. I feel a lot of my schools have had the original, so, you know, growth mindset originally came from the book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, which I know, you know, because you had read it. Um, In a lot of my schools that has been school-wide required reading for the teachers. Um, So I think for sure, growth mindset is already being implemented in a lot of the schools I work in, um, which is great currently. Um, and my schools tend to be pretty up to date with with new philosophies and approaches um, and that kind of stuff. So in a lot of ways, I feel like speech is behind on this because it's all the stuff you read out there is kind of how it relates to, to teaching and education, but then there's this gap, like, okay, so I get how it relates to education, but how do I incorporate this into speech? Right. Cause we have such a different service delivery model. Um, we can't obviously be doing lessons and explicitly growth mindset for 30 minutes once a week when, when that's our only time for speech. Um, but so, yeah, I actually felt like in my world, at least speech was behind the rest of the 
the or the curriculum or the, or the school. So it was nice to have a way to catch up and support them. Yeah. And I know there are some schools that like incorporate this heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, So being familiar, like it might be that your teach, like your general education teachers are teaching this to students um, and just being aware of it is like using all of the different strategies you shared um, is a great way to support what they're doing there. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want, I think if I could recommend one book, I mean, it's hard to not recommend the mindset book by Carol Dwork because of that's the original one. Um, but the, the growth mindset coach by Annie Brock and Heather Hunley, that one is geared specifically to teachers. And while it's obvious it's geared to teachers and not SLPs, it is just very applicable to education. And I found that one to be the most maybe meaningful to me as far as implementation was concerned. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then I'll link like to all of the books that we've been talking about, all of your materials and everything in the show notes um, at slpnow.com slash 50. But I'm curious, before we start wrapping up, do you have any other examples or things that you wanted to share for the different levels of your framework in terms of like changing the language we use, flipping students' language, and then direct teaching? Like, are there any other like favorite or must-have activities? I don't think so. I think, yeah, I mean, and it is, It's that's how I think about it from a standpoint of, I had a lot of people ask, well, I, I get what growth mindset is, but I don't get how to incorporate it into speech. I don't have time for it. So I think that that was how I mentally broke it up. It's, you know, there's so many different levels. You can spend your time directly teaching it, or you can just use it passively. You can be using a growth mindset with them without them even knowing it. Um, and then it's, again, it's important to not ignore the fact that even if you're not using a growth mindset with them, if you're not thinking in a growth mindset about them, then that can have really big impacts on them as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think that's probably, yeah, the simplest way I can think of to, to break it down about the different levels you can, you know, the different intensity of levels, so to speak, that you can implement it. Yeah, that's perfect. And I think that makes it a lot more doable because I like I read that book and then they have one about like mindset in the classroom too. Um, and so there and there is like the whole mind up curriculum and they yeah. have the, these beautiful things. And it's like, I wish I had all the time to implement this. Uh, but you're so right. There are like starting with us and that research study is just yeah, that's amazing how big of an impact just how we think about our students can be. Um, and then, so that's a huge step in the right direction. And then just kind of modeling that and incorporating that language um, into our sessions and giving feed- students a little bit of feedback. Um, that doesn't take much time. No. So that those right, are you're already totally giving doable. it. But if you're just changing, mm-hmm. like I said, I mean, with my daughter, it doesn't take me any more time to say, wow, like that looked really hard. Good job. Then it does. Wow. That looked really easy. Good job. You know, just, just switching Mm -hmm. what it is you're praising. There was another, I tried to look it up. Um, I believe it came from, I believe it was discussed in the grit book and I tried to look it up before I came on here and I wasn't going to mention it because I, I can't cite it. 
but um, in, in this study, they looked at kindergarten students and I believe it was in California where there was a large like Asian American population and they gave kindergarten students some sort of assessment and then they randomized which ones they told did a good job on it and which ones, you know, so they split the class like 50, 50, but what they found is that um, many more of the Asian American students were likely to say that they succeeded because they worked hard or they were told they didn't do well. They were likely to say, well, the people who did well must have worked harder than me. Whereas the non-Asian American students were more likely, and this is in kindergarten, um, they were more likely to say, oh, well, that person did well because they're smarter um, or I did well because I was smarter. And so there's obviously that just, there's a big cultural component to it too. Um, and that kind of goes back to the family piece. I mean, what we're saying in school, and it's just the way we support students. And it, it doesn't have to do with intelligence necessarily. It's just the way we support students and the language we use to, to support them. And anyway, so I, I need to find the citation for that, obviously. But um, I just thought that that was worth mentioning, too. Yeah. No, and it's just amazing to see how big of an impact just like how our – what we say to ourselves mm-hmm. can have. It's, yeah, so cool. Um, okay, so let's do a recap um, of some of the different resources that have come up throughout the podcast. So you mentioned your curriculum, which includes like all of the visuals and um, different materials, like the parent letters and things that we can use if we're wanting to implement this in our therapy session um, but I also feel like it would be, if you don't have the time to read a whole book, that would be a good kind of crash course oh, um, in like different strategies that you can use. So if you're like, I'm not going to use the worksheets, but I want to learn more from Kristen. I feel like that could be an, a good option. Um, and then we also mentioned your posters, which are, um, that would take a little bit of time to set up, but we decorate our rooms anyway. So might as well get some growth mindset in there. Exactly. Um, And there is actually, I have a freebie. Um, I can shoot you the link to it, but I have a freebie too, which is just one, one page poster. Um, and it's just 10 like growth mindset statements, um, as well. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's a bulletin board in itself, but it is just kind of a freebie poster that you could hang up to remind yourself and your students. Um, and again, they're like speech specific growth mindset phrases. Ooh, that's perfect. Uh, yeah, we will definitely add that into the show notes as well. Um, and then the books that we mentioned were Grit by Angela Duckworth, um, and then Mindset by Carol Dweck, uh, Mindsets in the Classroom by Mary Kay Ritchie, uh, The Growth Mindset Coach by Annie Brock and Heather Hundley, and then Range by David Epstein. Um, and do you have any other resources or tools that that also anything else that helped you or do you feel like that <laughs> no covers I, feel like, it? I feel like if you got I, I I think what I know about it now has come from such a <laughs> a conglomeration of, of sources and um non-fiction books and that kind of thing but I think if you if you read most or some of, <laughs> of all those you would be pretty you'd be pretty set <laughs> yeah and is there because I think you mentioned this but if you had one recommendation, like if they could only read one book, which one? It would you might choose? be the Growth Mindset Coach. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
I think I read that before I read Mindset. And I, I mean, I knew I had to read Mindset. I think I was waiting for it from the library, to be honest. Um, and I knew I had to read it, especially because I was developing this curriculum. And I obviously didn't feel comfortable doing that unless I had really done my research and my background work. And as we mentioned, that was pretty much the original book on the topic. Um, it's from, I don't know, the 80s, maybe? It's, it's, it's not new. Um, but if you were just looking for really practical tips about implementation and you just wanted to take away from growth mindset, what's applicable to you as an educator, I think the growth mindset coach would be a great place to start. Plus you can honestly skip through a little bit of it because a lot of it has specific lesson plans for teachers, which is geared toward the general curriculum. So I did gloss over some of that because I just knew it wasn't relevant to how I was going to implement it. Okay, perfect. Um, and then any, did we miss anything or do you feel like we covered all so. the good stuff? Yeah, I think, I think we covered the good stuff. If we did, I have like on my Instagram, I have to, I noticed going into this, I was just reviewing a few things. I had a few things that weren't loaded, but I have a highlight, you know, on Instagram, they've got those, the circles where you can see things grouped by topics. They're usually old Instagram stories, but I have a highlights, spe highlight specifically on growth mindset, um, there in my story. So if you are on social media and that is somewhere where you hang out, that might be another light resource for you. Just, um, little tidbits, you know, as I think of them. Oh, that's perfect. Um, and then where can speech therapists find out more about what you do other than that amazing story highlight? Yeah. Yeah. So social media wise, I am on Instagram more than anything else. So that's just at Kiwi Speech. Um, and then my website where uh, my blog and stuff lives is kiwispeech.com. Okay, perfect. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. This was incredibly helpful, and um, I hope that SLPs walk away with tons of tips to um, implement this in their therapy sessions. And the cool thing is it doesn't have to take a ton of time. It's just Not like maybe just download that poster and have a challenge to use some of those words um, or some of those phrases in your session. Like it could really be just as simple as that. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, sometimes it is just the change of a single word, you know, so I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank and you for having me. Yeah, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the SLP Now podcast. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through Speech Therapy PD. So yes, you can earn ASHA CEUs for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your SLP friends and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. See you next time.